we want to turn to our final segment. Uh, as we mark Black History Month throughout February, uh, we, we're going to look back at an earlier era in New York City. Uh, it was a very different world in many ways, but not so different in others. The year was 1741. New York City had a population of 11,000 people, mostly uh, below what we would now call Canal Street in lower Manhattan. About one-sixth of those uh, people were enslaved. Uh, that winter, there was a spate of arsons and, and, and burglary, uh, in many cases targeting the property of some of the uh, wealthier uh, uh, New Yorkers of that era. And, and there was a, a, a intense hysteria around the possible slave revolt and all the fears that uh, came with uh, living in a society where so many people were uh, held in bondage. And our next guest is uh, Russell Newfeld. He is a longtime attorney uh, here in New York who uh, fought the death penalty for many years when that was an issue in New York. Uh, he also uh, pres- uh, was the head of uh, Legal Aid's Criminal Defense Division uh, in the early 2000s, oversaw 600 uh, public uh, defenders here in New York City, uh, longtime opponent of the death penalty. And he's also uh, done a lot of historical research, recently published an article looking back on the events of 1741. We have an article in our new issue of the paper that our reporter Ted Ham drew on Russell's work. Um, uh, Russell Dufeld, welcome to WBAI Radio. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. So uh, we, we, we still have a few more minutes here. Can can you uh, kind of quickly depict uh, the world of 1741 and, and what happened uh, as this hysteria uh, built in the city about the prospects of a slave revolt? Sure. The um, New York City in 1741 had a large slave population, probably about 20% of the population were enslaved people. And there were also a significant number, a small number um, of uh, free black people in the city. And there were uh, a small number of slave owners. They were the, the wealthiest people in the city. And the city um, ran a lot on the labor of slaves, uh, indentured servants, and um, poor white people uh, who were mostly Welch. The slave owners were overwhelmingly English, Dutch, and there were two uh, Jewish slave owners whose slaves were picked up um, in this slave conspiracy um, prosecution. But it's, I think it's important to, to note that it wasn't just that there was a hysteria about a potential slave revolt, that a lot of the people in New York City, a lot of the white people, both leading people and, you know, plain folks, uh, didn't believe that there was a slave revolt. But enough prosecutors and judges and powerful people did that they started picking people up and, um, there was a fellow by the name of Hudson who ran a tavern on the west side, uh, south of Cortland Street, just above where Trinity Church is. And he was a fence. He bought and sold stolen goods. And he worked 
um, a tavern with his wife, his daughter, and an indentured servant. And um, they ran the tavern, and they worked the fencing operation. One of the main people that he dealt with who was a fence was an enslaved man who um, was a burglar, and he would burgle uh, stuff from uh, local merchants and sell it to Hudson, and then Hudson would resell it to other merchants. And at one point, that led the, the cops to his to Hodgson's after a, a particular burglary, and Mary Burton, who was the indentured servant, she was 16 years old, um, decided to cooperate, and she was looking for uh, to get out of being her indentured servitude. She was looking to get a reward that had been offered for information about fires that had been set, and um, she was looking to get out from under criminal prosecution for being part of the fencing operation. And at the same time, there was a, an enslaved man who was um, married to a, a woman who was also enslaved, but she was the uh, slave of the acting governor who lived inside the, the fort. And the, the acting governor, Clark, decided that this fellow was becoming a pest and hanging out around his, his slave, Barbara, who was uh, his cook and was uh, interrupting, interfering with her, doing her work for him. So he. Yeah, let's, um, he, if we can just uh, jump ahead a little bit, I can, uh, uh, Russell Newfeld, can you describe the. The trial, in a nutshell, the trials and how they kind of uh, spiraled into the situation where 34 people, including 30 uh, uh, blacks, were executed uh, over a, uh, several months. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what happened is uh, the, the 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 fellow who's um, was not allowed in the fort anymore started a fire. And burned, which burned down uh, Governor Clark's mansion inside the fort and other buildings. And after that, there were some other fires set. The m- most people at the beginning thought it was pretty clear that the people who were doing this were doing this so they could uh, take advantage of the fires to steal stuff. And one of the guys who got busted, a white indentured servant named Arthur Price got busted for stealing stuff during the fire at Clark's mansion. And he's in jail. And, and now Mary Burton, this other white indentured servant's in jail, too. And they come up with the story that, in fact, the whole thing, the fires and the, the burglaries and the stuff at Hodgson's were all part of a giant slave revolt. And that Dozens and dozens of enslaved people came to Hodgson's and had a big feast and swore an oath to um, kill all the white men and marry all the white women, and that Hodgson, who was white, was going to be the king, and uh, other people were going to be generals, and they were going to take over New York City. And this was all uh, bullshit. None of this ever happened. Um, 
but they saw it as a way to get out from under their own charges and get some reward money and get out of being indentured servants. And the prosecutors and the judge, um, Horsemanden, and two of the main prosecutors, John Chambers and Joseph Murray, after whom Chambers Street and Murray Street in Manhattan are named, ran with it and prosecuted dozens and dozens of black people and a small number of white people. They prosecuted, um, every, every, they'd bust someone and they tell them the only way you can save your life is to name other people who were part of the conspiracy. So people would just start naming other people to save their lives. And then those people would get busted and they would do the same thing. And each time, Well, it's not that different than today. No, it's not. And each time they name somebody, they'd bring that new person to Mary Burton and she'd say, oh, yeah, that guy was at the feast. That guy took the oath. That guy's part of the plot. And and who would and so relate this to to why you know I was very shocked when I found out who the judges were why their names were so familiar to me. The prosecutors and the lawyers. Uh, Chambers and the lawyers. Yeah. Sorry, the prosecutors. The prosecutors. Pardon me. Yep. And one of the Judge Horseman, who was the main judge who dealt with this, and the chief judge at the time, Judge Delancey, after whom Delancey Street is named, also decided that. The, the Pope had to be involved in this because, you know, they, they couldn't believe that a bunch of enslaved people would figure this stuff out on their own, and they must have been put up to it by someone. And they busted a um, a white guy who was a teacher of Greek and Latin because Latin is the language of the Roman Catholic Church. And at that time in New York, it was a capital offense to be a Jesuit priest. So they charged him both with being behind the plot and being a Jesuit priest, so he could get killed twice. And, um, in fact, he wasn't a Jesuit priest. He was a dissident Episcopal minister, but they didn't care about that. They, they really didn't care about anything. They disregarded any defense witnesses, and, th and this is in a situation where there were no defense attorneys. There was a judge R right. who was a prosecutor himself, and then there were the prosecutors, and then there were, you know, enslaved people, and a bunch of white people, and no defense attorneys at all for anybody. Um, and they wound up burning 13 black people at the stake. They hanged 17 black people, and they hanged four white people. They hanged Hudson, his wife. Um, right. Uh, uh, Russell Neufeld, we're going to have to uh, wrap up here very shortly. Uh, I know, in addition, you're calling for everything from uh, the the names of the streets for Chambers and Murray to be changed or at least historical plaques to be affixed there. You want them to be posthumously disbarred. Also, reparations for the descendants of the falsely convicted and executed individuals. Um, we want to continue to follow this story. We encourage everybody to pick up a copy of The Independent. It has more about this uh, shocking event from an earlier era in New York history. Uh, Russell Neufeld, again, thank you for joining us on WBAI.